Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I'm here with Diana Yu, the Art Director of the Pew Research Center here in D.C. Diana, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's good um, to be on. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got to get together because we met uh, in person for the first time at Tapestry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few months ago. So now we actually get to sit down and chat. And it sounds like you guys are doing some incredible work here at Pew. Uh, I want to start by getting a sense of your background and what it is you do here as Art Director. Yeah, sure. Well, I've been here for nearly eight years, and uh, as art director, I'm sort of responsible for just the general creative direction of the center, and I created sort of our visual look and feel that is translated in our reports, on our website, as well as just our overall brand, um, which extends to our logo, et cetera, Mm -hmm. um, and all of our collateral. And I have a team of about uh, five designers currently who create most of our work on the website and in our reports. Our researchers do as well uh, many of the graphics in our reports. So can you talk a little bit about the how does the workflow work here? So when you have you know a huge team of researchers going through the six of you essentially, so how does how does how do you funnel that down um, and get that out the door? <laughs> well, it's interesting because actually. Uh, the designers tend to spend uh, about 80% of their time working on uh, the static graphics that go into our reports. And uh, the thing is that with only six of us, there's only so much we can do and we produce a lot of reports, hundreds of graphics in each one in some cases. Um, and uh, so our researchers use templates that we created to do the bulk of those graphics mm-hmm. and our designers focus on the more complex ones. And, and the templates are in Excel? Templates or, are in Excel okay. and Word. Okay. Uh, and we've made them as consistent as we can. We've given the researchers guidelines and sort of best practices to right. use. And in general, it works really well. Um, it's amazing how far we've come just in the last five years mm-hmm. uh, since we implemented them. Um, and uh, they're able to do, again, I think at least 75% of the graphics on their own. And they look really great. Then the designers come in clean things up here and there. Mm-hmm. And then for the graphics that are more involved or maps or, you know, those things, uh, the designers do themselves. Okay. So let's talk about audiences then in terms of how Pew communicates to different audiences, because I saw a graph uh, about a week ago or two now, and it was from uh, the UN, I sent it to UN or UNESCO, maybe UNICEF. UNICEF. UNICEF, right. And so it had... Um, you know, all these different countries and it had three years for each country. And instead of doing like a little line chart or, you know, paired bar charts or what you sort of might do as a default in Excel, right? It had a bar for each country for one year and then a circle for another year and then a line for another year, all sort of like all on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And I found it really hard to read. Yep. Um, even though the title was really good, mm-hmm. um, the title sort of met the audience, but I sort of got into a little bit of a Twitter discussion with people about, you know, I don't really like this graph. I think it can be made clearer. And someone said, well, maybe the people who read this report are familiar enough with the graph that it's okay. And my response to that was, well, maybe they just don't know. <laughs> they just don't know what it would be if it, you know, what it would look like if it was better. Um, so I would guess that UNICEF is doing the same sort of thing that you're doing, which is trying to communicate to different audiences, sort of like, here's a graph for the lay reader. 
or the maybe the less sophisticated reader, and then but here are all the details, even packed within the graph, mm-hmm. right? So so when you're thinking about communicating to say the public and then to the sophisticated researcher, are you trying to walk that line as well? I think we are. Uh, I think we do tend to make sure that our graphics, first and foremost, are readable to a general audience or an informed audience. But we also try to make sure that if it's possible to label everything, you know, we uh, are very strict about ensuring that our axes are labeled properly, uh, that uh, we're clear about the, uh, the framing of the graphic. I think I think we do a pretty good job of that in our in our static graphics. It's something that um, just in general we think about with our research reports, and making sure that they are readable to a general audience mm-hmm. or to an informed audience, but include detailed tables or other things for those that are interested in learning more or taking our data and doing something else with it. Right. That's, that's something that is. Obviously, uh, many people may be listening to this right now, may have used our data in the past, and and we try to make that accessible. The reports often are not places that we um, will have all that detail. It'll be in a detailed table, or we'll publish our full data set. Um, And those are the things that are really useful to um, that. That little niche. Exactly. So do you get pushback from the researchers here about creating a graphic that may try to be reaching a wider audience and the researchers are like, no, 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 I want it, you know, I understand this graph and therefore, you know, people like me will understand this graph, but, but, you know, maybe not the wider world. Do you have that tension too? Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's definitely uh, creative tension and I think in a good way um, where, uh, especially when we're discussing things like economic concepts Mm -hmm. uh, that have a very wonky audience, for example, we may have sort of a staged approach Mm -hmm. in the report. So the overview, we know that's the part that most people will read, um, or at least read the first page or two of. Um, And that's going to be geared more toward uh, general takeaways and, and big findings. As you get further and further into the report, you're going to find some more detailed tables, some more detailed complex charts that we're expecting really only that niche audience is going to be interested in reading. And those more complex charts, are they repeating content that was delivered earlier? Maybe repeating and then adding additional pieces to it? Yes. So so are you thinking when you're writing, when you're creating or designing a report like this, are you sort of thinking, um, I don't know what the right analogy or metaphors, maybe like uh, the martini glass is sort of the good one, right? It's mm-hmm. like the broad overview and then diving in. And so are you, how are you thinking about physically like designing the report type? So does it have an executive summary? And then, so can you just walk us through maybe how you sort of design each of these reports as you, as you try to meet each of these different audiences? Sure. Absolutely. And it's, uh, I, it's hard to say design because yeah. really the researchers do so much of this. Uh, the general report structure is an overview, which we've also called an executive summary in the mm-hmm. past. And, and it has a very specific approach. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not necessarily bullet points, but it really goes through as uh, briefly as possible the main findings. And then uh, usually reports are structured sort of by topic area or something, mm-hmm. some logical structure within it to direct people who are interested in different aspects of the work. So, for example, if we're talking about the middle class, um, there may be you know, different aspects of the middle class that 
researchers are interested in um, who are reading this report, and that'll be sort of organized by chapter. Mm -hmm. We may also do that with larger like religion reports. For example, we have global religion reports where it'll be broken down by uh, Christianity, uh, Islam, mm -hmm. on and on. So, right. Um, now, because you have these multiple audiences, have you done any testing with these different audiences? Because one of the comments I got about this UNICEF graph and this Twitter thing was, um, well, maybe their, their readers are comfortable with it and that's why it's that way, mm -hmm. where my instinct is that they're probably not actually asking their readers whether it's a good graph. They just have been doing it this way for a long time and just continue to do it. But mm -hmm. have you sat down with users and readers and said, you know, you know, what do you like about this graph? Are you getting content out of this graph? Yes, we, uh, we have done user testing. A lot of it is with our digital work. Uh, so interactives and we've focused a, a lot on uh, getting our, our special features sort of to work really well on the web. Okay. Um, and so much of our research is associated with that, but uh, we have talked to users about specific graphics. Um, and it's, I think we found some interesting things and we don't have any really huge conclusions to come to. Um, but for one, uh, we've got a little bit of some mini research in that uh, we did a science knowledge quiz mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. And one of the questions in the quiz was we presented the audience uh, with a chart. Uh, it was a, a scatter graph. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start again. Sorry. I need to say this properly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think this comes to like data literacy. Yeah. yeah. Or or graphic literacy. Yeah. I mean they're they're, they're all right. related, but yeah. I yeah. About being this is the one where it's like sixty something percent know how to read a scatter plot. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. that's an interesting one. Good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um do you need to uh yeah, so I'll we'll cut it later. But yeah, let me just count down and you just okay. just continue. Uh five, four, three. So on the a podcast a few months back, you were talking to Kim Reese, and she actually mentioned um, how uh, she felt like the data visualization community and really academia and the research community as well have a tendency to underestimate the uh, the public's <laughs> data and graphic literacy. Yeah, and of yeah. course, this is something that Alberto Cairo has talked about as well. Um, and in his book, um, he he used one of our our charts, which was from a science knowledge survey that mm -hmm. we did. And um, in the survey, we presented respondents with a scatter plot uh, that showed uh, sugar consumption on the x-axis and uh, number of decayed teeth per person on the y-axis. <laughs> you can imagine this. <laughs> um, and each dot was a country. So um, they were asked then to choose from four responses uh, to identify which statement best described the data in the chart. Um, and overall, 63% uh, of American adults gave the correct answer, which was the more sugar people eat, the more likely they are to get cavities. Um, which, you know, again, 63% were able to read this chart, which is pretty great. Uh, and, you know, 79% of college-educated uh, respondents got it right, uh, and 84% uh, with a postgraduate degree got mm -hmm. it right. Um, and, you know, I think it's great I do think that maybe this task was made a little easier by the fact that we had these response options mm -hmm. um, that people were able, if they couldn't quite figure it out, they had they had to, they got to choose from the from some conclusion, right? Or 
right? Yeah, exactly. that's true. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I suspect we would have gotten a different result if we had <clears throat> just asked people to interpret the chart right. without any answers, um, any answer options. So uh, this sort of relates to some of the results of user testing that we've uh, found um, in with our charts and usually associated with an interactive feature. Okay. Um, but the main thing is that we found that even college educated users, which is sort of our, our main baseline, um, they experience a bit of a learning curve when they're presented with unusual uh, chart types or unfamiliar chart types. And so before, sorry, before you go on, so unusual chart types would be <clears throat> like anything out of the bar column line pie chart. Yes. Group. Okay. Exactly. So, so we, so, so a scatter plot would be, an, we would call an unusual chart type for this. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. So, uh, one of the things um, that we've seen is that, uh, something our UX specialist refers to as satisficing. I think I've heard it before mm -hmm. elsewhere. Um, but people have a tendency to kind of invent a good enough interpretation of charts. Um, and, and they're just not always careful about consulting headlines, titles, uh, legends, you know, all the things that uh, we put there yeah. <laughs> specifically to make them easier to read. Um, and I've, you know, we record some of our user interviews and I've heard some where, you know, a user has been asked um, what they think a chart means. Um, and they'll, they'll look for a moment and they'll go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. Um, uh, this chart means that X, Y, Z is the case. Um, and that makes sense. Yeah, great. Right. Um, the trouble is X, Y, Z is totally wrong. And they've already moved on. They've already moved on. Um, they'll say they had a great experience. Oh yeah. This was, you know, I had, <laughs> had no problem right. understanding what's going on, but they, but they got it wrong. They got it wrong. And, and these aren't charts. Like you're not just showing them the scare plot plot region, like it has a title and it has all the labels and all the annotation, right? Absolutely. Yep. It's exactly as we plan to publish it or right. close, as close to week as we can get. So is that just terrifying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, because, because I think we always think that if we have active titles, if we have good annotation that people will be able to under, not just understand the graph, but they'll understand the content. And it sounds like for, for at least some of the people who are reading, looking at the graph, they didn't get that. So what do we do about that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I, <laughs> I was writing some notes before this, and that's basically where I stopped. And went, I don't know I don't what know. to do about this. <laughs> but, you, but you guys... You guys do have very active titles, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing that, that that I've noticed about Pew. And actually, the UNICEF example is actually a weird example of this mm -hmm. of this case, right? Because the title of that chart is is pretty active, even though the visual itself is, I would argue, not that great. Mm -hmm. um, so, are, are you? So, I guess I guess the first question is: um, is that is that a philosophy that you guys have here? that our titles are going to be really active. And then when you think about that and when you're making them active, are you also thinking about, um, are you trying to be as sort of objective as you can with the title or are you, are you sort of leading people down, down a road to like, here's the causal story we're trying to tell. Right. Uh, I think, Using the word objective is tricky because, yeah. of course, we're... New, I think neutral is, uh, neutral is a better word. So yeah. you can say, uh, here's... Um, uh, we'll go back to the, the scatter plot, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a scatter plot of 
uh, tooth decay and sugar consumption. Alternatively, that title could have said the, you know, something like the more sugar you eat, the more likely your teeth are going to rot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so those are two different titles. So, so I guess, are you on the sort of more active side or the more neutral side? I think we do, uh, part of our style guide is to be with the more active side. More active side, yeah. So, and, and I think of it more as any chart needs to have a, a point that it's making. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, charts, especially with a lot of data in them, may be making many points. So there may be multiple things you can take from them, but usually you have to focus on one main takeaway. Uh, and that's what the, the headline should give you a hint yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, then we use the subhead in the chart to provide some more context. So for example, um, I was um, mentioning earlier that the framing of a chart is really important, mm-hmm. that people understand, you know, what is the what's the basis for this? Are we talking about all adults? Are we talking about just internet users? Um, and the the subhead allows us to essentially write the, the rest of the graph as a sentence. So um, it'll say percent of American adults who say abortion should be, and then the labels on the chart would say legal in all cases, illegal in some mm. cases, illegal in all cases, oh, things like that. So that uh, a person, again, who is paying attention and, and reading it can easily figure out kind of what the chart is saying without just having to interpret but the labels. But you're also doing what I think is really clever about that is you are in some ways forcing the reader to go into the chart, right? Because you could just say, you know, more than half of Americans believe X, mm-hmm. right? And that would be true. But the way you frame the title forces someone to actually go into the read the data labels. Right. Yeah. Right. Or to, to, at yeah. least the sub the, the subtitle, least the subtitle yeah. yeah. Takes you into it. Yeah. Um, and I think with something like what I just described, it's fairly straightforward. There's probably not going to be a lot of confusion even if we don't have that that detailed subhead. But it helps avoid confusion when uh, you have more complex things happening in the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, it would be very easy to confuse uh, a chart that um, is either showing the percentage of Hispanics who identify as Catholic versus the percentage of Catholics who are Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Because you'd have a Hispanic label, you'd have a Catholic label. Right. Depending on how those are oriented, it'd be <laughs> very easy to, to confuse those two. So again, that the, I always say it, you know, we need to write it so that it reads as a sentence mm-hmm. as much as possible, um, that the, the data in the graph completes the sentence. Yeah. Um, and if people don't read it, that yeah. <laughs> makes it very hard. But, you know, we've done everything that we possibly can to, we've given them a hint as to what they're going to see, and then we've walked them through right. um, and used the data and the chart to complete that. So do you think of these charts as applicable to uh, a PDF report, uh, the same as on the website as an HTML graph, the same as what you might put on Twitter, or are you, because you've made this active sort of succinct headline, like do they work on all these different platforms, or are you thinking about... Well, we have this thing works really nicely here mm-hmm. in the front part of the report. We're going to make it different for the back part of the report. We're also make it different for the website and for Twitter. Like, how, like there's so many ways to reach people now. Like, are you thinking about all these different ways, or have you gotten like that core philosophy more or less worse for all the different channels? I think we've tried to make that core philosophy work yeah. for all the channels. Um, there are cases where we find we need to 
adjust things, um, especially for, for example, the featured image for a report. Mm -hmm. uh, the format for that is very specific to what you know, Facebook will show or what Twitter will show. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we format our graphics accordingly. But in terms of the messaging, it's the same in all those cases. Uh, so, um, of course, we may have tables within the report that are not things that we're necessarily yeah. planning to, um, to put out on social media, but as much as possible, you know, try to keep them consistent. Right. Um, and, and I think it does work pretty well. For workflow reasons, it, it's important too, because we, we just don't have the manpower to be able to make a special version for every for single every one. Right. Um, and, you know, we essentially create the PDF first mm -hmm. and then work backward for the uh, online version. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and then to social media. And then everything yeah. goes on to social media. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and I'm sure that is, that's probably what many other organizations are working with as well. Um, especially if they're creating something like this UNICEF report, for example, is a PDF only, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the thing about that UNICEF report is that the graph would not work on Twitter. Like it's too, it's too big. It's too dense. There's too much on it. However, one could imagine taking five of the or 30 countries or something and making mm -hmm. that smaller graph. But like you said, you're not going to do that for every report. And you're not going to, you have know, a report with 35 figures. You're not going to start doing that for all the different figures. It's just, it's too time consuming. Um, right. But of course, if people uh, uh, come get a conclusion out of a graph and think that they actually understood it, but they didn't, then I'm really not sure. I'm really not. It's like shaking the whole foundation of everything we do. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was afraid to mention that, but um, it is something we found, and it's hard to say exactly. It's hard to extrapolate how yeah. much you know a user testing scenario is very specific, right? They've been presented with something. They know that they're supposed to be testing it, and you know, looking for something. Mm -hmm. Usually there's something that the, uh, the person who's asking for the testing is looking for. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard to say whether that's how people in the wild, I guess, experience right. things. Um, but it seems that definitely there are cases in, in user testing where when people read a chart correctly, for example, mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't, it doesn't compute, it doesn't, uh, match with something that they already think is the mm -hmm. case, mm -hmm. um, their tendency is to go, oh, there must be a mistake here. Mm. Uh, because this, this doesn't, doesn't match my expectations. Yep, right. doesn't fit my expectations, or um, I don't believe this to be true. Uh, so it must there must be a you know publication error here. Um, and so that's you know something that we encounter I think on social media yeah. all the time. Yeah. People people will engage with us and say and say exactly that. So, right. Um, I can only conclude that there are some things, you know, this user testing that you know, are real world, real world scenarios. So, um, so when you when you do hear that feedback, you know, this doesn't really accord with my expectations. Does that tend to be? I know we're simplifying here a bit, but like, does that tend to be on like the simpler chart types? Like, I wonder if people see a bar chart and they're familiar with that, mm -hmm. and so they may take a little more time with it because. Interpreting the graph is so much easier than, say, a scatter plot, which is a little more unusual, and maybe they just don't take enough time with it, yeah, that's or it's not as familiar with it, and so they they read it as if it uh, uh, agrees with their preconceived notions, and so then they just do that and move on. Whereas a bar chart is just so much more familiar that 
if it looks much different than what they expected, they're willing to contact you guys and say, wait, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good point. I don't know that we've, um, yeah, I mean, it's ex- hard to, that yeah. we've explored that right. specifically, um, or we've been able to, we haven't done enough user testing mm-hmm. uh, in this, in this way to be able to compare the, the reactions to a simpler chart versus a, a more complex chart, but it's definitely something that I think we should do yeah. because you know it's, it's important. I mean, we yeah. do have we have an informed audience, but it's important to know what they uh, what they expect and um, and what their graphic literacy level is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great that you're doing the user testing because I don't think a lot of places do um, the user testing or enough user testing. So I think it's great that you're that you're doing that. So um, that that's fantastic. Um, well, Diana, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been uh, a lot of fun and educational. Perhaps shocking, (laughs) certainly educational. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's episode. If you have any comments or questions, please send me a note on the comment section below or on Twitter, or you can find Diane on Twitter or the rest of the Pew Research staff. I'm sure they'd love to hear you uh, yell at them about what you didn't expect in their graphs. (laughs) Um, So thanks again for tuning in. This has been the Policy Biz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.